And. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the human experience. I am your host, Himyo, aka True Him, aka Dynamism, aka Altruism, aka Activism, aka It All Flows Through Him. And I would like to say thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your day to choose to join us here at the Human Experience Passion in Action. For those who are not familiar with what goes on at the Human Experience, I just figure I might as well explain it to you once again. So at the Human Experience is where I, Himyo, ask our guests three questions that will allow them to compassionately express themselves so that you, the viewer, the audience, the listener, is able to experience the compassion that resides within said person. Now, what do I talk about when I'm saying compassion? Not cop, not compassion, compassion. When I'm talking about ka, I am talking about the vital life force and energy that exudes and permeates the universe. And when I am talking about passion, what I'm talking about is the deep-seated feeling or emotion that resides within someone. So when we're talking about compassion in action, what we are really talking about is the vital life force that allows someone to express those feelings and those emotions that reside within us. And so that's what we are up to here today. And I appreciate your presence for choosing to um, enter into this world and in this space and this place. So now let me go through about a little bit about what my human experience has been today. Um, Obviously, for those who have been listening and for those who may be new here today, uh, I am part of an organization called the BWO, which stands for Black World Order. And what goes on in the BWO is a opportunity to instill wealth generation principles into highly melanated beings across the diaspora. And so right now I'm learning to trade the markets and developing the skill sets to, to, to trade the markets, whether that be options, whether that be Forex, whether that be um, ETFs, whether that be um, bonds, whether that be uh, just regular, regular stocks, all of that good stuff, right? Crypto. Um, so I get up at four o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, so that way I can be live trading with my sensei, right? Um, and so, yeah, today was a a kind of a weird day for me because I lost my um, I lost my charger for my phone, so I didn't have my alarm readily available for me to wake up, but I did, and um, and then to do some of the stuff that I wanted to do. Uh, I wasn't able to do it because my phone wasn't readily accessible to me. But anyway, so boom, we go through the day. I got clapped up in the market today uh, for sure. Um, I still have to develop a lot more in this skill set. And also, uh, and I'm going to land the plane. And then first, I had this overwhelming feeling of... um, of joy because I know today was going to be a busy day, right? I I have the wonderful opportunity to um, what is being presented to me in life because 
I do not have my family with me. I have not seen my daughter in the last three weeks. Physically, I have not seen my daughter in the last three weeks. And um, it has been a very trying time for me personally, um, not being able to physically interact with her. Uh, And so, you know, definitely coming home last night, there was uh, overwhelming feelings of sadness and and loneliness because um, because I, I, I don't have my baby girl with me. Uh, at the moment. But here's the opportunity that has been presented to me. Because you could look at the obstacle or you could choose to cherish the opportunity. Because I don't have my family with me at the moment, I am able to be fully focused on the things that I am up to. And one of the wonderful opportunities that may or may not have been able to afford me the opportunity to be fully focused on is um, I got over the weekend, I got tapped to be in charge of uh, on-set production or coordinating um, for an event that was had at the store um, and just to be, you know, a second point person in, in charge and to help things be moving and organized and all of that. And I came in and I, I fucking did my thing um, to make sure that that event went smoothly and it was iconic and legendary. We had DJ Battle Cat doing his thing with um, Pocket Queen on the drums and um, and the twins on the on the um, on the synths and on the guitars. And uh, at the very end, Harry O came to our event. For all of you who are not familiar with who Harry O is, Harry O is actually the real person that started Death Row. Harry O was. Uh, incarcerated and sentenced to 25 for life because of how he was moving them streets out here in Los Angeles. Harry O is also one of the people that got pardoned by President Donald Trump or ex-president Donald Trump when he was doing all those clemencies. So that's who Snoop and, and a couple of other people were, were writing and, and providing and trying to get clemency and, and um, a pardon from. And he showed up at our event history, iconic. So I wouldn't have been able to afford that opportunity. Maybe, maybe not if my family was here. So the sacrifice that is being made for me to live my dreams out loud and in full, in effect, is my daughter at this moment. And um, as long as I'm doing epic shit like that, then it, it helps to ease the pain that I feel on the inside about not being able to physically be with my baby girl um, because I damn sure signed up to be an active father um, and presence within her life. That's for damn sure. And so when we talk about what that is, as I'm sorry for that long diatribe of what my human experience has been about, but I just, I needed to get that out. Um, and so that leads me into this guest, Right. And this person that I have the great fortune of being able to collaborate with, this is women's month. So definitely uh, the content that I'm going to be pumping out this uh, this month is going to be heavily women orientated. And so this person, I had the great fortune to meet at Clark Atlanta University. Oh, so many years ago. Um, And there's something that we used to do. Because I was a uh, hook used to come out. Right. So this is how we used to go around um, introduce or, or, or acknowledging one another. And um, and so I'm just going to do it right here and then read this lovely young lady's bio. 
Rufio. And the Rufio that I am talking about is, her name is Ruth Carter Hickman. And she was born and raised in San Diego, California. She has a bachelor's degree in mass media art, radio, TV, and film from Clark Atlanta University, and a master of fine arts in television production from Loyola Marymount University. Ruth has worked in commercial television and documentary production for many years, and she enjoys teaching high school and college students my, her passion of media mass arts. Through the lens of people of color, she has explored portraiture and forgotten histories and cultures of the African diaspora. As a traveling visual storyteller who specializes in digital media, her work is largely centered around cultural diversity and inclusion. Digital media has provided the best platform to showcase the beauty and humanity of underrepresented cultures, communities, and people of color. And so who I would like to welcome to the human experience is Miss Ruth Carter Hickman. Ruthie! Oh! Thank you, thank you, thank you, Himyo. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the human <laughs> experiences. Thank you so much. What a wonderful opportunity. I'm so honored to be here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, and, you know, so, Ruth, what here is a tradition we have at the Human Experience, and that is to be able to give people their flowers while they are still here. So this, mm -hmm. my dear, is for you. Oh, thank you. No, no, but no, we don't only do it one time, right? We like to do it multiple <laughs> times. So let's get another one for you. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Thank you. Not just two <laughs> times, right? Two isn't enough. Three, as De La Soul would say, is the magic number. Mm, yes, yes, you. yes. So that way, if you are not used <laughs> to people clapping for you in your everyday life, at least you have it known here on the human experience to have it downloaded and encoded into your DNA so that you are forever able to clap for yourself, my dear. Thank you. I receive it. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. You welcome. You welcome. So, Ruth, I read off your lovely bio. You're in mass media arts. You've spent years and years and years doing these productions, teaching the babies about it. Um, but what I would also like to know, give me a little bit more of a history as to what even drove you to want to be a part of mass media arts and, and the production of of things and images um well i'll just be honest with you it uh started in uh, 1996 i won a high school scholarship uh for college and i had the honor and privilege of being interviewed by clark atlanta's very own alumni yvette dabney who came out from Channel 7 News at the time, ABC, and did a story on me and uh, talked to me about college. And I was DJing at the time on campus. I was very much involved with uh, mass media and wanting to be a news anchor at the time. And so Yvette Dabney was like, well, Ruth, if you want to follow my footsteps, you've got to attend Clark Atlanta. And I was like, what? 
Clark Atlanta. And she's like, yeah, Spike Lee took his classes there, although he went to Morehouse. Those of you that may know, or if you don't, if you attend the AUC, you can cross-register. So that means, uh, you know, Himio and I went to Clark Atlanta. However, if Himio saw a class that he thought was cool at Morris Brown, he could cross-register and I could take classes at Spelman or Morehouse or Morris Brown as well. That actually so, happened. I did take some classes at at, at Spelman and at um at Morris Brown as well. Oh, good. See, I didn't. I was like, oh, I don't want them to lose my transcripts. <laughs> but mm. I just wanted to stay at one school. Uh, but it was an amazing experience. So I would say... Yvette Dabney inspired me to go to Clark Atlanta University and to study journalism. At the time, I wanted to be a news anchor uh, just like her, and I'm forever indebted to her. And she uh, pledged Delta on our campus. And as you know, the Deltas ran Clark Atlanta, honey, because only because the AKs were suspended for some time. But, <laughs> but they were really good at organizing all of our events from the homecoming fashion show to the battle of the bands to the uh greek step show uh it was wonderful it was a wonderful experience the best years of my life so i would have to say uh yvette dabney from channel seven in san diego news inspired me to attend clark atlanta university wow okay <laughs> Wait, you said that like you you said the Delta thing and on only because the AKAs were suspended. Are you part of a sorority? No. Uh, oh, here's the thing. Right. I I wanted to pledge, but I didn't really show any interest until junior year. Um, I never really. I'll be honest. I wasn't interested in in really joining a sorority until I met um, uh, uh, Tasha on campus, and she was uh a friend of Brian Webb and Brian Webb at the time was our vice president of the actual school. And so I was like, I love, um, Brian and Brian was like, yo, you, you know, just keep your grades up at the time. This was my freshman year. So I didn't mm -hmm. understand what kind of conversation was happening. Uh, but he had called, uh, Tasha over to, to meet me. And she was like, Oh, I heard, you know, some good things about you. You have a really good GPA. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I was playing with her and talking with her and made her laugh. And she was like, you definitely need to come to our events. And I was just like, our events? Like, what do you mean? Like, I, I'm seeing you right now. <laughs> and she was like, no, like, you know, she was like, I'm watching you. And I was like, I'm watching you. But her and I had always had this bond of just being really cool. And I was always one of those that would speak to everyone on campus. I I was just not clicky. I just wanted to show everybody love that I met. And so I would always be like, yo, what's up? Hey? Yeah, you, you know? were always loud and boisterous. Yes, we get it. <laughs> so I was always, everybody knew, even the president of Clark Atlanta University, Dr. Uh, Thomas Cole knew that I was from San Diego because I would remind him when I saw him on campus, Dr. Cole, it's Ruth Carter from San Diego. And he'd be like, okay, why is this student <laughs> yelling my name across the campus? But I just wanted him to know who I was. And what was crazy is when we graduated, 
Um, he was like, Ruth Carter from San Diego. And I was like, yes, Dr. Cole, we made it. And, it, you know, <laughs> graduation was the same year that he was retiring. And we had the wonderful Cicely Tyson speak at our graduation in 2002. So, OK, yeah. So I was class of 03. So, uh, you know, you don't have to rub that part in um, oh, about sorry. having Cicely Tyson there and um, also being part of history, although we came in at the same time. So yeah. uh, let's let's skip over that part. And um um, continue on. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, it's all good. I'm I'm proud to be a, pl- a class of '03, and um, okay. you know, well, at least you finished that five year that five year stint of one of the best five years of my life thus far. Yeah. Um, do you remember the uh, candle lighting ceremony and when they told you to look to your left and look to your right? Some of those won't be finishing with you. Yeah, at the Olive Branch joint, right? Yeah. 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 That was such a a special moment. I just knew right then, like, no, I'm finishing. You know, four years. Yeah. You know, you better two on my left and you better on my right, you know. But they were right. I mean, so many people dropped off, whether it was life happening, Mm -hmm. uh, women wanting to become mothers and getting married and and having children. you know, early, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, going into the military or, you know, doing just... whatever life had to do. With yeah. yeah, exactly. Get exactly. you. I got you. You know, and so when you talk about looking to your left and looking to your right and who may or may not be there, this actually is uh, a great segue to the first question that I have for you. Mm-hmm. And that question is, Ruth... What do you trust more, your heart or your brain? Definitely my heart. Uh, I feel like my heart, I have always led with what feels right to me and authentic to me. And I've always, I don't want to say always because that's not true. (laughs) I will say, because I was going to say always what's true to me because I was raised to be a people pleaser. So I would say what was true in my best entrance, according to my parents. Uh, mm-hmm. So I trusted that they knew what was best for me. Um, and I I think I'm one of those genuine people. Like, I love to connect with people. And when I don't connect with people, it honestly bothers me. I feel like that's why we're on this life's journey, is to connect with one another. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not allowed to connect with you... I'm like, wow, like, you know, I try not to take it personal. I learned that in production in the business. You don't take anything personal. Uh, It could be, you know, somebody's just having a bad day or or maybe someone passed away in their family. You just never know what someone's struggling with. Mm -hmm. So I try not to take things personal. But when I make an effort to really, really connect and lean in, it was just so funny when that book came out, Lean In, you know, by Cheryl, uh, you know the uh partner or not partner what does she see or um i have no idea what you're talking about so i'm just gonna let you struggle through this i don't want to mess up her last name but too late uh, well she's a berg something berg lanceberg cheryl something berg i can't sandberg yeah kleinberg i think Something like that. But anyway, she wrote a book called Lean In and basically telling women like we need to lean in at the table. We have a voice. And I'm like, I've been doing that. I've been leaning in and 
speaking my mind, especially for those without a voice for a long time. But what I wanted to say, Cheryl Sandberg, I think that's her name. Uh, if I, if it's not, I'm sorry, guys. But <laughs> look, if you Google uh, Lean In, you'll find her book or whatever. That one, you, um, that that you know, you know the name of the yeah, book is is Lean In. Cheryl, All right, I got cool. her first. And Cheryl, points for that. Cheryl from Ten Lean points. In. Okay, there you go, there you go, Lean In. And I'm like, gosh, I've been leaning in for such a long time. But it's super important to, you know, just try. I always try to connect. And I think with my line of work, it's imperative that I connect with who I'm shooting. Um, I can't capture who you really are if I don't get a true sense of who you are. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yes. It makes it, it makes complete sense. Right. Because like what you're what you're talking about. Right. Is the. Um, being able to authentically capture someone's truth has to do with being able to authentically connect with them. So that way you're in rhythm with the, uh, with the shutter. Right. And as you're, as you're, as you're focusing on them, when we're talking about like, you know, as you focusing on the, on the person that you're shooting to be able to capture their truth through the connection, um, will allow for the focus and the shutter to line up to capture the moment that will best, uh, will, will best capture the, the resonance of that individual. Right. That's what I'm here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Um, so, all right. We we just learned that you're more of a heart centered individual. Right. And yes. you allow that to uh, you allow that to lead you in the direction that will allow you to connect with and um, authentically be yourself with other individuals. Yes. So now, however, how uh-oh. I will say caveat. I, yeah, I will say. That my um, recent trip to Mexico empowered me to realize that you're not going to connect with everyone. Although you may try and you lead with your heart, sometimes people have a wall up or sometimes people aren't interested in connecting. And, and that's okay too, right? So I'm trying to learn how to be okay with that and still thrive as me and not let that affect me so much. But I think it's just such a missed opportunity when you are vulnerable and the other person isn't as vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, so that you guys can have a greater human experience together in connection. Does that make sense? Yes, I've, totally. Yeah, so I'm so not interested in superficial connections. I just feel like we don't have time for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, time, life, especially, I mean, that's something that we've been learning about, especially over the past year and year and some uh, year and some change, right? Life is, life is, um, could be very short lived and, and is to be uh, fully, uh, fully taken advantage of and, and to be in the moment because, you know, you never know, you never know if we've learned, if there was anything learned from 20, 2020 you never know when you're going to go and, and it could be very, mm-hmm. very quick. Um, so you got to mm-hmm. take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves to you mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing from that. And so that also leads me into the next question. Okay. Ruth. So we've just found out that you're uh, more of a heart centered person, 
with a caveat of like every time you you may not be able to connect with everyone. At least you can control your trying to connect with or wanting to connect with. You're not responsible for how another individual may um, receive that connection or be open to uh, developing that connection and to be okay with it. Right. And so that leads me to ask, is it better to have beauty or be beautiful? Wow. Uh, I think it's better to just be beautiful because you can have beauty and not be a beautiful person. <laughs> um, I think that's what throws people off about me. Uh, and I, I was told this by one of my really good friends, Jennifer McDaniels, who is a life coach and she's amazing. She's got her own platform, Solar Bold, helping women you know, mature women um, take better care of themselves and love themselves. And, uh, you know, the Mexico trip was actually with a group of her friends. And I, I had to just be honest with her and let her know how I was feeling about how they weren't interested in connecting with me. You know, it was more about them being exclusive to themselves. And I, I realized they had this friendship of 30 years. She was like, well, Ruth, you have to also understand that you're such a genuine energy and you're beautiful on the inside and out. And sometimes people don't know how to take such a dominant energy. Um, and so I've been told that before, like, hey, and we'll bring up Clark Atlanta, uh, one of my really good friends at the time, Derek Knight. Uh, was like, Ruth, I would have never talked to you if you didn't speak to me. And I was like, what? Why? And he was like, you just, you look so intimidating. I was like, how do I look intimidating? And he was mm. like, I mean, you're just beautiful. And I was like, well, so are you. You know, you're such a beautiful person. He's like, no, but you don't get it. I just thought you'd be mean and you'd be like bougie and like rude. And I was just like, what? And he was like, when you spoke to me, it threw me off guard. And he's like, what I realized is, wow, she's so down to earth. And I was like, whoa, wow. Like, did you really think I was that shallow? So <laughs> like, so he was just like, it's just not, you know, too often you meet, you know, girls that are beautiful, right? But then they're also beautiful on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think you can have both. I think that I'm not a unicorn. Uh, I think that there are other girls out there and women out there that are well-rounded. I like to think of myself as uh, a guy's girl and a girl's girl. So I think mm -hmm. I can be super girly, but I think I can also be super like guy-ish, <laughs> like a tomboy <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but I think that was because I had a big brother that would, you know, punch me and, <laughs> you know, race with me and challenge me and talk so much trash to me that I had to like keep up with him and, mm. uh, just wanted to be around him. He was such a vibe. So I think, uh, I get guys and I, and he would have me check out other girls. Like, do you think she has a great butt? And I'm like, yeah, she has a great butt. You should talk to her. Um, or, oh, yeah, she's beautiful. Or, yeah, I spoke to her and I liked her conversation about X, Y, and Z. So I think that I have a really good balance. 
of mm. both. Um, and I think that's important to, to, you know, be that. I, I will say that, you know, uh, I, I can remember, you know, we, at, being asked questions like, would you mind if your man went to a strip club? I'm like, I'd take my man to a strip club mm. and I'd pay for him to have a lap dance. You know, like that's that uh, that's that going to Atlanta for you. That's what that's what that's that's what that's why that's how you got help to be uh, comfortable answering that question in that manner. Um, Magic City. Right? Yeah. Strokers. Yeah. Blue Flame. Right, strokers. A matter of fact, here's a true story. The owner of Strokers was like, hey, you need to sit down. You taking attention away from the dancers. Now, you going to get on stage <laughs> part of the show. He tried to recruit you. Right. He tried to recruit you because of yeah. what you were because of the energy that you were just expounding upon, right? Because yeah. like liter legitimately what you were what you what I'm hearing from your expression is about how, you know, about your being beautiful transcends just the physical features that you possess, right? Because right. you are when you talk about leaning in, you're a little top heavy, so it's easy for you to to lean further in, <laughs> right? So um so it's like you know, so f for all of that, and so for that package to go along with the spirit, right, it becomes something that is um, that that is overwhelming and intimidating to the outside individual. And it actually goes back to the first thing that you said about, you know, leading with your heart and being able to because you like and and because you like to connect with people, you take the first step to that, to break down the, um, the intimidation of the beauty uh, of the beautifulness that resonates from you, um, in such high doses. Yeah, I think I, I try to, uh, I think it's my life mission to and, find and, the beauty. And, 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 wait, wait, time out. We ain't get to that oh, question yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn. Oh, okay. Just, just, ru just running along with it. See, this is what their people are talking about. <laughs> Calm down. We'll get there. Okay. 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 All right. Let me let me lead the show. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Take a step back. I got this. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. Mm -hmm. So now that leads me to the next question. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is Ruth. When was the last time you cried? Today. I I think I've been uh, super emotional. I'm going through an emotional transformation in my life where uh, everything's changing for me. I am. Um, I am. Um, I found out that I lost my teaching job. They're cutting my program. I. Uh, you know, recently went through a divorce. I recently uh, went through, um, you know, losing my place and then and then helping out my mom, moving to help her. And it's just been a lot. I feel like I've been pulled in a lot of directions. Um, and, you know, sometimes I get sad because I'm not where I want to be, but I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Uh, and I know that, that God has me, uh, going through what I'm going through so that, you know, I could be a testimony to someone else. Uh, and I try to, to look 
on the positive side. You know, I feel like uh, I'm a person that has planned my life. uh, And, you know, I had two controlling parents that were very much involved with my education. My mother instilled in me going to school and going to college and getting your career and then getting married. Well, I did those things and and I still wasn't happy, you know, so Mm. there comes a time where you have to reassess, like, what is this thing called life and in our journey and what does it look like? And I did want a family. I am 41 now. So there is a little bit of like sadness and resent, uh, resentfulness of like, wow, why didn't I, why wasn't I able to have children? You know, I was so concentrated on my career. Um, but also it takes two, right? So my ex-husband had a, a role to play, but he also was very consumed by his successful career uh, as a general manager of a company. But at some point I had to realize what's more important, you know, materialistic things, right? Because we accomplish so much uh, as far as materials, things. But when it comes to your love language, what is that? And I think my love language definitely is quality time. And, um, you know, what's important to me is being fully present. I walked away, Himio, from everything. I left everything. And Mm -hmm. people in my family didn't understand, like, oh, my God, you know, you didn't have to work. You were a housewife. You had a wonderful car. You know, you had all of these things. And I was like, exactly. And I still wasn't happy. So you can be in a marriage and still feel alone. Mm-hmm. And so my my advice to other couples would be to never forget the why, right? Because as you're on this journey of life and you're accomplishing all of these goals together, you know, um, what my ex-husband ended up saying was, you know, I have this executive MBA from NYU, but it doesn't mean anything if I don't have you, you know, basically he kind of. He was so married to his career and success, right? Um, But he was a great provider, wonderful male um, and man and just a beautiful person. But we had a friendship. And you you just kind of lose that connection over time or the intimacy. It's just kind of like, what? Where is it? Uh, (laughs) So, exactly. So, uh, you know, it was hard for me. That was one of the hardest decisions I had to make in my life was to leave my best friend, right? Mm. So there are times when, you know, you are reminded of what you left, but then I have to remind myself of what I can gain, you know? Um, And I did learn how strong I am as a woman uh, as we celebrate Women's History Month. It was the hardest thing I had to do in life. and, And I got judged that's the other thing. You get judged by family members and friends. Like, what are you doing? I wish I had, you know, what? Mm. I wish I didn't have to work. And But they weren't in the marriage. So you can't, you know, let other people's opinions of what they think should be for you or their judgment or you trying to be a pleaser. And that's what I struggled with is because I'm a pleaser. You know, Um, you know what I'm hearing from that. So what I'm hearing from that, right, is the idea of like kind of is similar to what I was expressing 
um, when I was going through what my human experience was, right? Because I, I, when my family first left, um, there was like, I was, I was, I, I did a deep dive or, or did a, a dive into, um, the understanding of what, uh, what sacrifice, what concession and what compromise is, right? So I, I went and like broke those words down to get a, a, a proper understanding of the of the true meaning of what those of what those words were, right? And um, when we talk about like when we talk about compromise, uh, the 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 act of compromising um, has to do with submitting, um, acquiescing, and uh, and uh, bowing, kind of like giving up of, 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 of yourself, but in a, uh, it almost felt to me like it was a negative connotation of not Mm -hmm. willingly saying, okay, I'm gonna, um, you know, kind of meet you in the middle. It was more so like that person, uh, that person's will was imposed on you. And so Mm -hmm. you had to kind of like give up to meet them where they, where they were. And I guess that, happens on on either side i just did not like the connotation so that's where the word can so that's what led me to the word concession you know um i like that word better in the connotation of what a concession is because it, it felt like it was more coming from you wanting to give that person to be able to meet them in the middle as opposed to that person having you submit to them and you having to give up something to meet them where to meet them where they're at or for both of you to meet where they're at right but then when we go into sacrifice right and the the spiritual connotation that that resides within when one is sacrificing something and what that is what that sacrifice is for right goes to the idea of you have to give up something to be able to get something and so what i'm hearing from you in, in in that understanding is for the sacrifice that was made for you to ultimately be be happy with 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 your life and for you to to move forward to allow your dreams to truly manifest the sacrifice you made was the um the dissolution of your of your marriage to to an individual who um, in all ter- in all tenses and purposes was a, a great was a, is a great individual he's a great man right, right? and right. so to be able to uh, end a marriage on a note where you can accept the greatness in that person because it had nothing to do with the way that they were physically treating you and mm-hmm. the sacrifice also going into the sacrifice that you made as a wife to allow this man to fully step into his greatness and achieve the things that he has achieved through his work life. Right. Um, it seemed like that was the sacrifice he had to make in order to be where he's at in his working life. Right. The sacrifice was the marriage to you, you know, and what, and, and the time that had to give up and he, you know, no matter how much he, could give to you uh uh um in a material manner like it was more so your craving of the emotional and the intimate part that's what what that's what the sacrifice that he had to make in order to go where he needed to go in his relationship and through your people pleasing and your compromising see that's where the compromise came into play there you go. Right? right and as a result it was still an, an unhappy thing as opposed to the sacrifice being made 
because when you achieve the thing that you um, achieve the thing that you were uh, going after because you made that sacrifice of whether it was time, money, commitment to to others or whatever, when you achieve that goal, it allows for that sacrifice to be um, to be uh, accepted, learned from and appreciated because the abundance that comes from what you gave up is outweighs what was actually sacrificed right and i i that's huge i mean i had to you know quit my job in order for him to pursue the mba you know and as time goes on you know i mean i i was hired as an adjunct professor which is such an honor uh the dean and i uh dr rose renux at Felician University was an amazing dean and wanted to give me more responsibility. And it was just such an opportunity for my career to thrive in education. And I had to quit again. And so when you when you do have to, you know, sacrifice, like you talked about, you know, especially when it comes to like my career, you know, like I, I became resentful because mm-hmm. as a wife, what are you getting back? Uh, what's what's the payoff, you know, besides mm-hmm. the financial success, right? Um, I'd rather, you know, be broke and selling coconuts on a beach. That's just me. Um, <laughs> it doesn't take uh, materialistic things, right, to to make me happy. Um, and and I realized, you know, I feel like in especially in America, we're bred and raised to be a culture of debt and trying to right because what comes along with success right if you're taking out student loans or whether you're getting grants scholarships or whatever you invest in a mortgage you you know invest in a car and just all of these things are causing you to be more and more in debt unless you're investing your money and your money is working for you with that passive income and multiple streams of income. Uh, so what I will say is that I'm over the U S I'm over, uh, being in debt and, and living, trying to manifest this American dream of, you know, this, this house and, you know, with kids and uh, these cars and, I feel like keeping up with the Joneses for what I'd rather live out of a suitcase and have life experiences and travel the world, mm. you know, Got that's you. priceless. Yeah. Got you. All right. So thank you for, uh, explaining to us the emotions that were, uh, released in those tears of, uh, of, of when you, that was the last time you cried, you were able to release any, and, uh, release all of that, uh, pent up um, repression of mm-hmm. like, what the hell did I just sacrifice for? <laughs> you know what I mean? When when right. you had when more st- when life presented you with more, th- even more things, and you just keep getting like you know keep getting hit with this and hit with that, and you know the work situation, blah blah blah, blah and the whole litany of things. So that now leads me to ask you, pregunto numero cuatro, okay. which is. Mm-hmm. Ruth, what are three words or phrases to know in all languages? <laughs> Hola, como estas? Um, I would say, hi, how are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
I, I think uh, it's important to be again. Connection is my is my thing. I just I'm all about connecting with people. We we don't take the time enough to to connect with another with another with one another. Like, hey, how are you doing today? You know, mm-hmm. and and you may find in that question that this person maybe lost someone or that they're struggling with, you know, a relationship or just whatever. But I think we should care more about each other. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. So in that in that in everything you just said is the expression of hi, how are you doing? Yeah, like okay. how are you? So that's one. Um yeah. what are the other two? Word or mm-hmm. phrase that should be known in every language? I would say phrase. Um you know, like um, maybe I would say, "How are you today?" <laughs> no. What? That's the that's a variation of the first question. I, I mean, of the first okay. phrase. Okay, let me see. Let me ask a dis a different one. I would say, um, you know, like, you know, what are your plans for today? Maybe. Okay. Maybe, what are your plans for today? Yeah, maybe their plans might include something you want to do or might have an idea of of something that maybe you didn't think of, right? So you're opening up a door, another door for connection. Okay. All right. Uh, now, what's the third one? The third one would be, what are you going to do tonight? <laughs> no, what are you going to maybe... do today? And then what are you going to do tonight? Okay. What are you doing tonight? I don't know. Um, let me see. Uh, um, maybe asking what their, what their life dreams are. All right. You know, that's, that's a tough three question. All right. So we got from you, what we just learned is, uh, something that you would want to know in all languages around the world is the Mm -hmm. ability to say, hi, how are you? Um, mm-hmm. also the ability to ask, what are you, what are you doing today? You know, yeah. to foster connection. And the third what's one is, tonight? yeah, what's up for, t- what's up? We'll, oh. we'll slap, we'll, we'll package those two into what you're doing today. What's up for tonight? We'll package yeah. those. Um, okay. and then the third one is what is your dream? What's your life's dream? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So then mm-hmm. now Ruth. What I'll ask you is, mm-hmm. Ruth, what scares you? Oh, uh, I say what scares me is dying alone. Mm. I would also say animals scare me. I love looking at animals on TV. <laughs> I do not want to meet a snake in the bed or you know, have a panther just be on the prowl, like, hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, So I think uh, animals scare the, the, you know, they scare me. Mm. Okay. Animals do, yeah. All right. So dying alone and and animals. Yeah. Um, In the interest of time, I would want to know more about the dying alone. Mm-hmm. Um, part, but I think what that is actually from my listening of you, what that is, con- what that 
why that scares you so much it has to has more to do with um the people pleasing and the uh uh yearning for connection of being of being amongst amongst people and wanting to connect with people so it would make sense that you know dying alone would be something that scares you because you crave um connection and intimacy uh so much mm-hmm. So now, and okay, can I add and, on to that just yes, real quick? Yes, you may. I would say also uh, the fear of the unknown because I'm such a control freak. Uh, um, yes, you are. Yes, I I want to know what it's like. Like I want to know, like, all right, am I going to get cold? Should I put a jacket on? You know, like, are we? Am I going to see the light? Should I have shades? Um, and you know, just, you know what? And I will say, if you're struggling with that, what helped me was a documentary called no one dies in Lilydale and it was on HBO and it was a documentary about the most spiritual place in the world, which is in the U S um, this is what they say, uh, because they have the most spiritual, uh, world mediums and it's called Lilydale, New York. So the title is no one, Dale, no one, Oh, no one dies in Lilydale. Mm-hmm. And what that what that basically it was an amazing documentary if you haven't seen it please see it but if you're struggling with the unknown a lot of people's experience is that you know you feel the you feel warm and you feel just love so abundant that you don't want to stay here you just want to go on to the next stage of life and spirituality so my dad loves to say you know, you don't die. You just go on to a different stage of life and living, but it's mm. in the spiritual world. So I like that I would statement. Like, me too. That really helped me feel comfortable with life after death. Got you. All right. So we've learned what scares you. Mm. Now we would like to know what makes you happy, Ruth? What makes me happy? Mexican food. That's what makes me happy. If you want to be my friend, bring me a carne asada burrito from San Diego with guacamole, pico de gallo. Give me some cheese, some sour cream. Give me the works. Give me, give me all of it with some Jamaica, horchata, I'm not picky, tamarindo. I just really love Mexican food. I feel like I love it because my mom, when she was pregnant with me, she said that's what all she ate and um craved so i think i've always been addicted to mexican food anytime literally that i feel down and now that i'm talking to you today and i cried today i'm about to get some mexican food hell yeah i'm on my way to the taco shop as soon as this interview is done (laughs) the truth is on her way to the taco shop to honor my spirit and and desire of mexican food yo you you know what and you know how mm. I could say that that is um, that is such the truth about Ruth <laughs> is because I remember, you know, years and years ago when I was visiting California um, and Ruth came and picked me up. You know, I, I don't even know how we could. I didn't even have your number. I think we connected via Facebook. I put something out mm-hmm. on Facebook and you responded um that you could take me from from Cal, uh, from L.A. to uh, to Oceanside to go visit to, you know, to drop me off at my family's crib. And when you picked me up, 
on our way down there, you made it your business to stop at a um at a tacos at a taco spot. <laughs> I did. Like we we cut the trip. We like legitimately cut the trip and was like, no, we're going to um we're going to have some tacos. And so uh you know what I mean. We 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 about to go to the Mexican spot and have some tacos. You legitimately pulled off the highway and took a a, a 15 minute detour into some <laughs> random ass town because you heard about this taco shop. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, Himio, that's the type of, of girl I am. I, I will yelp a place. I'm such a Mexican food snob. Like it has to be super authentic and have some flavor, you know? So yeah, I wanted to share that with you and I, you know, I love to welcome uh, especially my good friends and, and uh, you know, especially college. College was the best years of my life. So I feel like anyone I went to Clark Atlanta with is family to me. So I got to, you know, treat you like family. I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to feed you and, and taking you where you need to go. So, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to share that with you. My yeah. love for Mexican food. <laughs> for sure. You for got a sure. good memory. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, man, of course. We just learned, uh, we learned what scares you is the, uh, is, um, loss of connection and dying alone, um, and animals. Um, and then we just learned that what really makes you happy is, uh, some, some great guacamole and Mexican food. Yo, even the time that we, even the time that you provided the opportunity for me to, um, to interact with your class and, and, and give a um a highly impactful uh inspiration production when we went to lunch it was at a no no after afterwards after we got done we went to another taco shop and had some margaritas um (laughs) and some guacamole and some mexican food um so yeah that's yeah that's really you and that's what makes you happy so now ruth (laughs) the last question Mm-hmm. that I have for you here on this human experience mm. is what is your purpose, Ruth? Oh, wow. I think my purpose has manifested itself uh, through all of this sacrifice. Um, you know, I literally two years ago had my program cut again, teaching high school. And when you're in education, a lot of times the first programs to go are the art programs, right? So um, I found myself at a crossroads and I was like, what am I going to do? You know, so I had to put everything in storage and I'm like, where can I live that's affordable? And especially with this new um, unemployment where they don't pay you half of what you used to make. You know, they pay you less than that, maximum 450 a week, which is nothing. Excuse me, especially in the state of California where your max, you know, you're making 1800 on unemployment where your rent minimum is 1365, right? And that's even in the Inland Empire. So imagine when you get to LA towards the beach or San Diego where it's so coastal by the beach and so expensive. Um, You know, I just couldn't afford to live here. And so I found myself in Mexico joining Facebook groups of black expats in Mexico, networking through another alumni, Rashid McDennis, who 
was a great connector and connected me with Cleveland and Cleveland helped me talk me through my whole move, come to Mexico city. We got this going on, been here 20 something years, you know? So it was just a great, it was like, it was meant to be. And when I went there, I actually spent time with him. I spent time with another good friend, Shamar, who was like, dude, you got this idea, like do it. And I was talking to them like, Hey, I heard there's Afro Mexicans in Mexico. And they're like, yeah, do it. Like go. And I, I actually got invited through a friend of Rashid's Ashley to go to Oaxaca and went down in Oaxaca, long story short, ended up spending time in Chicago. First thing that someone says to me is welcome home. We're black like you, you know, um, bienvenidos a, a tu casa. Somos negro como usted, you know, and I just felt like, Oh, wow. Where else did I feel like this? And that was Ghana in West Africa when I went to study abroad in 2004 with Dr. Cheryl Grills at LMU. Yo, you know Dr. Cheryl Grills? Dr. Cheryl Grills is an amazing, an amazing human being. I agree. I agree. uh, I 3,000%. I first came... I'm, damn, I'm all interrupting your story, interrupting your story, You're but I need okay. to interject because <laughs> you just mentioned her name. Um, and I'm going to actually now I'm about to reach out. to I'm going to reach out to her to to get her uh, human experience. So Absolutely. Um, Dr. Cheryl Dr. Girls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I first got introduced to Dr. Grills doing doing work in Skid Row um, and and um and her and I was introduced to her through uh, the emancipation circles that she uh, that she put on. So I got introduced to that idea and that concept of emancipation circles from Dr. Uh, Dr. Grills. And then years later, now when I spearhead these um, these King uh, for King Conscious, the the organization that I spearhead for for black males um, that deals with um, social emotional intelligence. I use the emancipation circle methodology in that in that context, right? And so, and then even as recent as what a week or two ago, um, I happen to be in the great presence of, of of Dr. Grills when she uh, did a a a Black History um, a Black History homage during the same organization that introduced me to her, uh, USEP, United Coalition mm-hmm. East, um, out there and the good brother Charles, uh, Charles Parter, I will bo day day, um, had Dr. Grills on there, um, giving a wonderful, she, she did a hell of a presentation about, mm-hmm. um, you know, about black history and culture and, and the mm-hmm. way that it, and the way that it transpires through, through the music, through the sound, through the, uh, all the traditions and the way that they come about. So, um, yeah, that's my Dr. Cheryl girl story. Yeah. Continue on. She's amazing. I'll just say she gave us a rendition at the door of no return. That was unlike no other, like a monologue of, you know, slave number three fifty two. you know, had to watch her baby be thrown overboard. And as she tried to jump after her baby, her arm was broke. I mean, and she was, reading off of these true slave narratives, right, of what happened in that space. And we're literally down in the Cape Coast dungeons uh, in West Africa. I mean, in Ghana. And they call them the Elmina Castle. And it's not a castle, right? For Europeans it is. But for us, it was a slave dungeon. When you go Mm. down into the castle, 
you will, the whole spirit just changed. And it was such a powerful experience studying abroad with her. I super conned my way on the, on the trip. That's a whole nother story. But I just <laughs> was like, <laughs> I was like, Dr. Grills, let me shoot a promo for you. I know I'm filling TV because it was a trip for the psychology students to go study abroad in West Africa to learn about West African religion and spirituality. And I was like, I got to go on this trip. I'm film. And even the film department was like, you know, I was television production. Why do you want to go? I was like, well, why should we document the Holocaust? Why are there documentaries on? We should forget about the Holocaust. And they were like, what? No, we should not. That needs to be captured. I was like, exactly. This is the middle passage that needs to be captured. And I want to do that. I want to do a documentary on that. And I, I had to find a professor that believed in me. And I found Art Nomura, I'll never forget. And he was a professor that I loved. Um, but, and another professor, Glenn, who got arrested in Cuba uh, for shooting a documentary. So I was like, these two guys will help me go. And sure enough, they were like, yeah, Ruth, go document the Middle Passage. This is dope. And so they signed off on me to go. But of course, I couldn't take studio equipment. So I had to just take like a camcorder my mom bought for me and, you know, shoot the best footage I could. And uh, (laughs) they just wanted to see my footage. And so I ended Mm. up getting credit for going and they were like, wow, this is some great footage, you know, and I still have that footage, Himio, and I never edited the footage. I only did like the promo that was promised to Dr. Cheryl Grills Mm -hmm. uh, to advertise the study abroad program to students on campus. So I did follow through with my promise to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the documentary piece, I kind of was just so like, oh, I don't know where to start. You know, it was just so much. Mm-hmm. And it really was so much. So I totally need to do something with that footage. But anyway, I love Dr. Grills. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, she- bam. I got, I got it. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. We'll talk about that with Afro-Latino Tambien when you talk about that and how those blend together to uh, create the next part of the documentary or the moving on and the transition of that. Okay. Sounds good. All righty. All right. So we have just learned a whole lot of fucking things about you. All right. um, (laughs) And so in your purpose, I don't think I, I don't think I clearly heard what that was my purpose yeah sorry i got off on a tangent i think that yeah you my, do that often i totally did i think that my purpose is to speak for those without a voice i've been doing that since second grade when um mr bernstein took away our chocolate milk <clears throat> and my classmates were pissed off and i talked to my classmates and was like hey What's going on? How do you feel about the chocolate menu not being or chocolate milk not being on the menu? And they were like, this is some, you know, this is whack. This is and that. So I talked to my dad and was like, hey, daddy, what can I do? My dad was like, start a petition. And I was like, what the hell is a petition? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I had to figure out what was a petition. A petition. I ended up getting over like 500 signatures. And I was like, I'm requesting a meeting with the principal. And they were like, OK. And so I met with the principal. I was like, Mr. Bernstein. On behalf of my peers and I, we feel like chocolate milk is essential to our learning and we would like it back. And he was like, what? And I was like, here's my list of, you know, 500 signatures to get the chocolate milk back. And he was like, 
well, all right. Wow, this is really important to you. I was like, it totally is. And he was like, oh, well, let's get the chocolate milk bag. I was like, yes. (laughs) And so I think... (laughs) I think I learned at a young age that I could speak for those without a voice uh, and it felt so good. And so when I learned about Afro-Mexicans traveling to Oaxaca with Ashley and seeing how beautiful they are and, and shopping in stores and not seeing any melanin in advertisements or commercials. I was just like, how is Telemundo and Univision not giving us a real representation of what it means to be Latino or Latina? And Mm -hmm. there are different shades of Afro-Latinos. You yourself are an Afro-Latino and you're, you know, Panamanian and, you know, Mm -hmm. was raised here and Americans. You have two different cultures going on. However, uh, I feel like there's a lack of you know blackness in mass media as far as opportunities and commercial and television and film um you know we we saw a telenovela which is like a soap opera for afro latinas and in celia cruz right um and she made to me afro latina cool you know esa negra tiene tumbao Azúcar, azúcar negra. And anytime she said azúcar, azúcar was in representation of her ancestors that worked the sugar plantations in Cuba. Mm. And so it was an homage to them every time she said azúcar. And so... Uh, and she said and, it a lot. <laughs> she said it a lot. She said it a lot in her music. Azúcar, you know. Mm. And, and to me... That's what was brilliant. I mean, she was doing that when it was so not popular. And there's so much racism within the Latin culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, people are readily identified, I think, are quick to identify with their Spanish and indigenous ancestry versus the African ancestry. And Mexico just considered... Afro-Mexican citizens in 2020 in the census. Mm. You know, so, okay. That, so being your, your purpose being to, um, capture the, the voice of the, or capture the voice of the voiceless, Mm -hmm. um, and, and capture the truth of the voices of the voiceless, uh, Mm -hmm. is more, is more accurate. Um, so what I would like to say that my listening of you within this human experience um, has been one of being a part of and bearing witness and um, actively seeing you engage in your purpose. Um, actively, um, yeah, I was able to also witness that when you uh, allowed me to, to, to be in your in your classroom when I went and spoke to your class um, <laughs> and and by the stories and the, how comfortable they felt to be able to share their stories and be authentically who they are and the space and the freedom that you uh, you gave them to tell their voices. Um, I was able to witness that once again when you um, by the two individuals that you introduced me to who I've actually wound up working with both of them. 
um, you know, uh, because, you know, because you, you suggested them to me and, and they were able to capture uh, a couple of things for me. Um, and what I was also able to do is like my listening of you allowed me to understand you. I've known you for, for over 20 plus years now. And mm-hmm. my listening of you has allowed for me to be able to um, see the truth in the way that you um, embody and represent the dynamism that you are when you talk about like the, your true you being beautiful is is ever present in all things that you do. And mm-hmm. so to be able to see you in action um like literally embodying and expressing and um, living in your beauty uh, has been a great joy Um, to be able to see what has been a result of the sacrifices that you have made in life and what you were able to accomplish through those those sacrifices has also been, um, you know, a great a great joy to be able to, um, you know, tap in with you as you're going through those transitions and, and, and hear and put the pieces of the puzzle all the way together. Um, and to be there in, you know, in support of, you know, the kind words and then you living your dream. And then even right now to be, um, for us to be actively engaged in collaborating with one another and, and, and seeing you, um, elevate to, to, to speak the truth with Afro Latino Tambien has also been a great joy. Um, and to be able to, um, like those three words, like those three words and phrases that you chose, you know, of, of hello, hi, how are you doing? And, um, you know, what do you, what, what is your dream and what is, you know, um, and, and what are you doing today? Right. Creating those opportunities to connect, um, it makes every sense because it is you through and through, you know, Mm. everything that you said here was directly in alignment with the, my experience of you. And Mm. I want to, um, you know, respect, honor, and appreciate the fact that you have been a consistent, um, a consistent truth teller, um, and exuding and living in your truth. Um, and so I want to, you know, acknowledge that and, um, and say, you know, continue on. I can't wait to see what else you come up with and, and how much even further you go, um, with that. And so, you know, with that being said, Ruth, uh, I think you you already <laughs> jumped into it, but briefly in the next, uh, in a, a minute and 30 or less, Please mm-hmm. let the people know what you got going on, where you got it going on, and and how they can get involved with what you have going on. Well, thank you so much, Himio, for the opportunity, and uh, I'm so glad you created this space uh, for others to share their human experiences, and and hopefully people are taking those nuggets and learning and sharing uh, and connecting. Right. Um, I just want everyone to know that I'm super stoked to be a Sony Alpha female uh, with this whole Afro-Mexican Thumbian project. Uh, So we were able to win some funding uh, to recreate who's who on Mexican pesos. And so I would love to take that concept and apply it to um, Latin America, 
Argentina, you know, Brazil, uh, Uruguay, Paraguay, all, all over. I want to shoot the whole, you know, South American continent and find out who's on the money and make them Afro-Latino because our contributions to these societies, for example, let's look at Mexico. We have Vicente Guerrero, the first North American president. It wasn't Barack Obama. It was Vicente Guerrero. Uh, and we don't learn this in school and neither do Mexicans in Mexico, let alone Mexicans in the U.S. or Americans. I feel like this history should be taught and it should be shared. Uh, and you know, a lot of our history as Afro-descendant people is very much watered down, very much Europeanized, um, you know, and when we're not given a a lot of the credit that we're owed, like, for example, Emilia Zapata, the right hand of Pancho Villa, who helped win the Mexican Revolution, was Afro-Mexican. His mother was Afro-Mexican. And he, you know, his story is incredible. So what I'm doing right now, now that I captured who's who on Mexican national currency, you know, as these national treasures, and I made them Afro-Mexican, although we know Frida Kahlo wasn't Afro-Mexican, but I made her Afro-Mexican to bring attention to uh, the Afro-Mexican population, which is over, you know, two point, I mean, I think it's at 0.4 million and growing, right? There's so many Afro-Mexicans in Mexico that identify as being Black in Mexico, Right. So to support the project, you can check out afrolatino-tambien.com. And I have a shop there which I'm promoting uh, Afro-Latino self-love. And if you're down, you can help support the cause. And basically, uh, the next phase is to capture children. So I'm looking to cast 12 incredible afro uh, incredible Afro-Mexican children that are, you know, willing to be historic figures. For example, Pio Pico, right? If you're driving, if you're in LA and you're driving down Pio Pico, what's called Pico Boulevard, that was named after the first and last governor of early Los Angeles, but old Mexico. California used to be Mexico as well. So I want to educate people on Latin culture, but also African and Afro and Black people, Afro descendants, as we celebrate uh, Black history in Mexico, those contributions that they've made to the society and the country. And they're still there. You you go to any Mexican restaurant, if you're drinking Jamaica, that, that was uh, brought by African descendants. Uh, horchata is another one you know, the rice milk drink. And so people need to learn this history. And so I want to shed light on it. I also want to provide opportunities for my models to get booked on gigs so that we can continue to spread uh, Afro-Latino representation in mass media. That's what's missing. I mean, look at Amara La Negra. I love her. I would love to do a shoot with her. Uh, But she's breaking down doors. I mean, her skin complexion is super dark, super chocolate, and just so smooth. I think Celia Cruz would be just so amazed like by her. And what's crazy is she has a picture with her when she was a little girl. So I think she had already manifested (laughs) her destiny to be the singer and leader in Afro-Latina culture. 
uh, you know, on a huge platform. So that's the goal. That's the goal is to finish um, por, uh, por ellos somos, somos nosotros. And, and that one, that says in Spanish, basically, because of them we are. And that's um, a photo project that I was inspired by Eunice Jones, who was an, she's an amazing photographer. And she shot like, you know, a little Malcolm X, a little Rosa Parks. And so I would love to do that for Afro-Latino culture a little Vicente Guerrero, a little Pio Pico, you know, a little Yanga who helped steal slaves from the Spaniards in Mexico. And I mean, he was so ruthless that mm. the Spaniards had to try to settle with him. Like, look, let's negotiate. Stop stealing our slaves. And he was like, all right, give me this land, which is a palenque I'm going to create for my people, a free, you know, community for my people. Mm. And I'll stop stealing them. But it was a lie because he never stopped. And he believed in taking all of his people. So he emancipated uh, he, he emancipated a whole lot of individuals absolutely. out there. He was the Mexican Harriet Tubman. Mm, but okay. Yeah. In the male he was the he was the male he was the male, was the male Mexican right. version of Harriet uh, Tubman. That's right. That's <laughs> and Frederick right. Douglass combined. There you go. There okay. you go. Let's go. I'm uh, not stopping until all my people are free. Word. Yeah. And I uh, would like to give a shout out to our fellow CAU alumni, Taryn Wilson, for uh, for oh. tapping in. Um, she says, hey, this is hey, awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, so Thanks, with that Taryn. being said, you know, Ruth, again, <laughs> uh, thank you for tapping in with us here at the Human Experience. It was a great um, expression of the compassion that resides within you. Your presence was always appreciated. And I would like to also say thank you to the viewers and the listeners and the members that chose to chime in and take time out of their day to join us here on the Human Experience. I am your host, Himio, aka True Him, aka Altruism, aka Dynamism, aka Activism, aka It All Flows Through Him. And I would love to give a wonderful shout out to another CAU representative and alumni, Mr. Uh, Jamel DeVerger and Asa Scott Holloway of Omen Timepieces. They are the watch with the message. So make sure you check them out at omentimepieces.com. That is omentimepieces.com. They are the watch with the message. I also want to give another shout out to one of our sponsors, Mr. Beard Zion. I want to say Beard Zion has been responsible for allowing this uh, crusty old thing to feel oh so smooth and buttery soft. Beard Zion. Beard Zion. They are bringing you that heaven on earth feeling. And I want to give the last shout out to another CAU uh, <laughs> representer or another individual that I've represented at, um, that I've met at CAU Mr. B-R-U-R-N-G-R-8 for the introduction and outro music. I appreciate your presence sir for allowing people to get groovy and choosy with the music that you have been able to provide. So check <laughs> them out on Instagram at B-O-U-R-N great. With that being said I would like to say, be peaceful, be happy, be productive, and be you, because you matter. See you on the next human experiences, bitches. <laughs>